Coming up, people pleasers, crippling seizures, and a woman named Weezer. Also, the beauty shop of utter destruction, advice for the lovelorn on Ask Aunt Goatee, and is there enough alcohol in the world? No. Maybe not. Maybe not. Put on your asbestos unders, chillins. We're at the fourth circle of hell on this episode of Kiss the Goat. Let's consider the horror movies that delve into the supernatural realm with a particular focus on demonic activity. And I'm Cootie, and this is Kiss the Goat. Here's looking at you, kid. Love means never having to say you're sorry, even if you really are truly sorry. Love is all you need, and happiness is a warm puppy. The circle is closed, and no one may enter or exit without the express written permission of the Hallmark Channel. This is episode 46 of Kiss the Goat, and welcome to it. We have moved forward like a pawn on a chessboard, a car at a green light, a penguin at a seafood buffet, and we are about to be assaulted by the second movie you watch in hell. So, hang on a second. If it's the fourth circle of hell, then why is this only the second movie? Well, because it... Well... Okay, so it's concentric circles, right? Is it? So the first circle is in the middle. Well, then why isn't that where the first movie is? Because the movies move inward in reverse chronological order, while the circles emanate from the center and work their way outward. So our first movie is in the fifth circle, but our fifth movie is in the first circle. That doesn't make a damn lick of sense. Well, if you think of the first circle of hell as the worst one, and then that's where we find the worst movie, right? So the worst movie has to be the last one, which makes it number five. But, but, so why did the two numbering systems seem to exist at complete odds with each other? Math. Oh, the spirit world is strange to you and me. We'll be back with the breaking point right after this. Is this our first break? Um, maybe. Hello, this is the Doom Show. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking, America. We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. (laughs) The truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. That's gotta go. (laughs) That's gotta go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I am Brad, the guy that's not Richard, or Jeffrey, or Simon. That's right. We have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? (laughs) We got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow. Welcome back to Kiss the Goat, where this October we're taking a look at the darker side of love. X is convinced that chick flicks are secretly horror movies. And that's something I've been saying for years. 
and I'm happy to have a chance to present my case not only to Cootie, but to the listening audience as well. Yeah, if we still have a listening audience after this. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure there are others who agree with me. <laughs> well, it's certainly true that love doesn't always turn out the way you want it to. After two failed marriages and a long-term relationship gone sour, that's something X and I have personal experience with. But let's not talk about that right now. Uh, you know, <laughs> those people are exes for a reason. Well, you're my ex. But I'm not your ex. Wait, what circle are we in again? How about we check in with our true crime correspondent, Aaron Sunday, and we're going to learn all the gory details about another couple that reached the breaking point. I think it's time that we start talking about a divorce. I need a divorce. Here, sign these. I'm leaving, and I want a divorce. What, you're saying what, you want a divorce? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, maybe I do. Well, I'm an adult man, and I don't need any of this. I don't need this stuff. And I don't need you. I don't need anything except this. And I'm telling you, that's the only thing I need is this. I just want to be left the hell alone. Are you asking me for a divorce? Yeah! So, Erin, what's our horrible story for this week? So, it's October, right? My favorite month. Right. Not only does the weather make me happy, but it is the time of year for dressing up, pulling pranks, eating candy, and, you know, scaring the shit out of ourselves and each other. So, a woman, who we only know as Cindy, thought she was witnessing a Halloween prank while getting her hair colored at a Seal Beach salon back in 2011. But she was dead wrong. Get it? Eh. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm kidding. She obviously did die. <laughs> but she was wrong about the prank. Okay? Okay. It was October 12th, and Salon Meritage... Maybe what? That's, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's Meritage, but Meritage sound cooler. That does like sound a cool. French New Wave band. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, October 12th, and the salon was fully booked with a wait list. Cindy was one of the lucky ones who was already in a chair. But 1.21 p.m., she saw a guy come in, approach one of the stylists, and fire and she didn't realize until he shot another customer and then the owner of the salon who was doing her hair that reality set in. She's like, holy fuck, this isn't a prank. So she managed to run out of the salon and hide in the next door bathroom, but she could still hear the shots. So yeah, but uh, she was so scared after when she gave her statement that she only wanted to go by Cindy. She doesn't want anyone to know who she is um but the so this one stylist right got shot then a customer and then the owner and the order of the other victims being shot is not definite because like there weren't any cameras and uh most of the others in the salon bolted as fast as they could or they found places to hide or pretended to play dead to avoid being another victim um so they weren't really paying attention to that. But the shooter walked out and drove away just two minutes after he walked into the salon. But not until after he shot a man sitting in his car parked next to him. So wasn't in the salon, just walked out, <coughs> getting in my car and was like, oh, a witness. Oh my God. So who is the shooter, right? Scott Evans DeCry. Uh, he was a former tugboat captain and an asshole. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's a given, right? Uh, he'd been involved in an accident on a tugboat in 2007, and that left him with really bad leg injuries. Um, he was also barred from possessing firearms that same year uh, as a result of a, a restraining order filed against him by his stepfather. So... 2007 was also the year he filed for divorce. So it was a big year for him. Uh, <laughs> and so he was going through a nasty, nasty custody battle 
for his son over the next four years. Um, so it was really nasty, long, dragged out. And uh, all of this was said to have caused like changes in his personality, which it makes sense. A normal person would be affected, right? Yeah. Um, so the day before the shooting, he actually went to court. Uh, they had hearing and it recommended actually a near equal custody arrangement. So it was actually a good thing, right? Like shared custody is better than his wife getting full custody. Mm -hmm. um, so the following morning, he and his ex-wife, Michelle Fournier, apparently had an argument. Only a few hours later, he walked into her job, stood beside her, and then shot her at close range. Uh, after shooting Michelle, he walked around methodically, shooting anyone he came to. Out of around 20 people in the salon that day, he shot eight. Seven, <laughs> seven of them died. Um, oh my god. And then he walked out and shot and killed, uh, I think his last name, David Cowett. Uh, he was in his Range Rover, and just because he was parked next to Scott, he shot him through the windshield. Uh, and he had just left the restaurant next to the salon. He wasn't even related to anything with the salon, really. Uh, so that makes nine people that he shot, eight of them dead. Wow. Uh, so he just lost his goddamn mind one afternoon and was like, you know what? I'm just going to shoot fucking everybody and just yep. walked around shooting people. Yep. His motive was mainly um, speculated to be due to the argument with his wife that morning. But regardless of that, he must have thought about it once or twice because, I mean, the guy came prepared. He wore body armor and brought three guns, a 44 Magnum, a 9mm pistol, and a 45 caliber pistol. And like I said, the guy is an asshole. Uh, <laughs> I walked into a public place and shot nine people. Why? Because he argued with his wife the day after he basically won shared custody of his son. Yeah. And he didn't just shoot people and run. He walked around and shot people up close in the head and chest several times. He had been married to a woman who worked there. He knew some of these people, and he killed them anyway. And when he spoke about it, he called the victims collateral damage. <laughs> wow. wow! And I mean, the owner, the owner pled with him, like, Scott, you don't have to do this. We can figure out a different way. And he shot him anyway. He was over at that guy's house. You know, like, he, he had hung out with him. So in two minutes, in two minutes, he caused the worst mass murder in Orange County history. Two minutes. If he had made a playlist for the massacre, it would only need one song. And it would yeah. have left before it was finished. Two fucking minutes. That's crazy. And I mean, he was arrested that same day, but wasn't charged until 2014. So. He was arrested October 2011, wasn't charged until 2014, and wasn't sentenced until September 22nd of this year. So, like, a couple weeks ago. Damn, dude. Wow. Our judicial system is fucked. Yeah. The case sentencing was stalled because there was a... Uh, they used a jail informant after they arrested him, and... So there was this big controversy about jail informants, uh, and they said that they violated his rights. So it opened up a huge can of worms and caused, it actually caused retrials for several other high profile murder cases. So they actually named it the snitch scandal because, uh, and uh, so because of this, informant bullshit they ruled that he couldn't receive the death penalty so they gave him eight life sentences with no possibility of parole because duh unless he lives to be 300 that dick is gonna be in prison he's gonna die there wow you know love makes you do crazy shit <laughs> love or anger over like betrayal that's Yep. Yeah. Seems to be the recurring theme here. 
Well, and sometimes, sometimes that's part of it. I mean, I'm not defending this guy by any stretch of the imagination, but, I mean, you know, people do weird shit when they're in love. And if that weren't the case, there wouldn't be such a thing as the Lifetime Channel. Ugh. Man. <laughs> that. That is, that is correct, and you know it. There, there's just... When when you know that you've watched it too much, when you're so ashamed you can't even use words to describe anything related to that channel. Like, my mom used to watch a lot of Lifetime stuff, and it messed with my child emotions. I couldn't I understand even, that. How I, could you... Go ahead. Yeah. No, I just can't even... <laughs> I'm totally no. white girling out of this. I can't even. <laughs> uh, it's just so bad. Everything on that channel is so bad, but whatever. I don't know. I mean, this is this is all true stuff. People really do that shit. It just makes you makes you wonder about some folks. You need to be really careful who you uh, you know, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the... I was trying to do better than that, but I'm not a better person than that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just not. That's the person I am. You know what I need to find? I need to find a serial killer couple where the woman has the power over the man and makes him do all the crazy shit. I would be interested to see that. I'm sure that is actually a thing, but I don't you know. You just never. Mm-hmm. You barely even get to hear about female serial killers at all. But on top of it, like, you don't usually find female serial killers in couples that is the dominant of the two. I think the reason for that is, I don't know, and I'm probably broadly stereotyping, and forgive me if I am, but in a couple situation, usually the way that a man manipulates a woman is emotionally. Right. Right. Whereas, if a woman told a man, I'm cutting you off. Right. No, no pooter for you. Then probably the guy would like, I will go kill this bitch if it will make you happy. <laughs> Just let me do what I need to do. You know. Note it. Right? I mean, seriously, hold that, that is- back long enough and the guy will be like, whatever. I'll. Is it a puppy? Is it a baby? Fine. I don't even care. I don't even care well, anymore. If I ever get arrested for being a serial killer, I will give you credit because I'm oh, sure good. That, do that. Do please. That will be my, that will be my <laughs> manipulation tactic. All right. Please mention my name to the police when you get arrested for suspicion yes. of being a serial killer. That would uh, I'll be like, he's day. the one that taught me to use my vagine to manipulate <laughs> my vagine. <laughs> No, but I appreciate I, I we we appreciate these you know these love stories that you bring to us. Yeah, yes. yeah, they warm my heart, so I'm yeah. Warm yours. Uh, we'll check in with Aaron next week for more tabloid terror. But when we come back, we'll come face to face with the. I said, God damn it! No, I fucked myself up. Is it the fourth? No, it's the second. second. <laughs> Shit the bed! Oh, I fucked myself all over the place. All right. How many circles? So many, ma- so many maths. <laughs> All of the math. Have you ever looked at a movie and said, what the hell is that? How can a movie with that low of a budget? Corny acting? Cheesy special effects? Or is that strange of a plot even be worth watching? Well, have I got the show for you. Join me, Matthew Angry Ginger, for the bad, the weird, and the cheesy. I'll be bringing you on a journey through cinema's oddities. I will cover all genres of film and hopefully shed some light on why these films are worth watching. Track down the bad, the weird, and the cheesy podcast on Facebook and on Podbean. Hey, Acolytes! Welcome back, and it's movie time here on Kiss the Goat. The second movie you meet in hell deals with family, the relationship dynamics of living in a small southern town, and, in a weird way, how death cults are created. Let's listen to the trailer. (sighs) Here we go! You threaten me, Drum Eatington. Drum would never, ever point a gun at a lady. Your husband is a boil on the butt of humanity. TriStar Pictures presents... Well, this is it. 
You're finally rid of me. Sally Field. I think you'd be back every now and then. Dolly Parton. How's your family? Louie brought his girlfriend home, and the nicest thing I can say about her is all of her tattoos are spelled correctly. I miss Oh, leave me alone. Shirley MacLaine. I'm not crazy, Malin. I've just been in a very bad mood for 40 years. Daryl Hannah. Miss Trudy, I swear to you that my personal tragedy will not interfere with my ability to do good hair. Olympia Dukakis. Looks like two pigs fighting on the blanket. <laughs> Julia Roberts. I'm gonna make you very happy. I want a child of my own. Your poor body has been through so much. Why would you deliberately do this to yourself? Diabetics have healthy babies all the you time. You are special, Shelby. Time has made them close. Life She's gonna have a baby. Go get a doctor. has made them friends. <laughs> Steel Magnolias, the funniest movie that will ever make you cry. I was dragged to the cinema in 1989 to see Steel Magnolias. It was payback for dragging my wife at the time to see Halloween 5. So tit for tat, as it were. Well, quid pro quo, Clarice. <laughs> That's hard to say. It is hard to say. Quid pro quo, Clarice. Yes, well. It seemed fair at the time. You know, trading a horror movie experience for a chick flick experience. I'm a strong believer in equitable behavior. But that, that was before I understood just how traumatizing Steel Magnolias was and continues to be. <laughs> I've had a grudge against this movie for a long-ass time, and the time has come for vengeance. Steel Magnolias, here are at least ten things we hate about you. Hey, you, you want to see something really scary? You bet. Really? Yeah. Okay, this is, this is really, really scary now. Ten things? Can I we? Said I said can at we, least. Yeah, I'm like, can we really limit this to just ten things? <laughs> I don't think we can. <sighs> <sighs> all right, I'll kick things off here. Why do all the main characters in this movie have Klingon names? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, I mean, really, consider all the names of these people. Malin, Weezer. Clary, Truvy, Anel. Shouldn't this be the crew battling with the Romulans over some obscure quadrant of the neutral zone? Not every Southern woman has a weird fucking nickname. Uh-huh. Says a guy named X who's married to a woman named Cootie. Yeah, but I know your real name. <laughs> okay? And you know mine. We simply choose to ignore those facts. It's a Southern trope, though, and one that gets on my nerves. If you're not from the South... You need to know that not everyone down here is named Bubba or Sissy. Yeah, or Cooter, or, you know, whatever. Right. Says Cootie. But, you know, the men... Cootie is not Cooter. That's different. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) But I was going to say that the men in this movie really don't fare any better, because you've got Malin, who's married to Drum. The sequel to Mandingo. And Truvy's married to Spud. The Bud Light party dog. (laughs) Right. Well, this movie also propagates the idea that Southern folks speak nothing but similes. If you can't say something nice about someone, sit next to me. I love you more than my luggage. Smile. It increases your face value. <laughs> Sammy's so confused, he don't know whether to scratch his watch or wind his butt. If you could achieve puberty, you could achieve a past. Well, these aren't terrible ones. I don't know. No, uh, they might be pretty terrible. <laughs> they might be. They're not great. But, you know, you could put one or two of those in a movie and you can get away with it. But when you build an entire film around that dialogue, you make everybody sound like some kind of backwoods Buddha, just chock full of folk wisdom and homilies. And these lines weren't written. They were fucking cross-stitched and hung on the wall of a Christian birthing center. I can understand maybe one character spouting that shit. But every single one? 
It is an overload of folksiness. These people all sound like they're about ready to introduce Conway Twitty. Mm-hmm. Now, e- even in older properties like the Andy Griffith show, Andy was the only one speaking the native tongue of Cracker Barrel. It wasn't the Andy Griffith's show. It's just too much. <laughs> well, this movie commits a lot of sins. That's true. But the worst one, the worst one is the emotional manipulation. Now, that's one of the points I've been trying to make. That is a hallmark of all chick flicks. It is. I agree. That's a trope. And it's it's one of the, the, the fucking center pin trope of chick flicks. But this one may be the absolute worst. Seriously. Like, I could not fucking make it through. How long did we watch this movie? We couldn't finish it. Well, we got to about 25 minutes to the end. 20, okay. we'd, seen it, we'd seen it before. I'm amazed that I made it that far. So I did watch it once before. I've seen it once, like start to finish. And that was, God, how long ago was that? That was at least 20 years ago. It might have been more. Not fucking long enough. Yeah. So what you, our acolytes, dear listeners, may not know about me, or you might know this, you might assume this about me, is that I'm not the, I don't like the traditional quote unquote chick flicks. And it kind of bothers me, that whole chick flick label but it's there, and okay, I got to recognize it. But I'm not the traditional kind of female role, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I'm just weird, but I cannot fucking stand <laughs> that kind of emotional ma- manipulation. I don't want to sit in front of a television and watch something that's going to make me cry. I don't want to be manipulated in that way. And this movie was like like somebody just gutted me. I could not finish it. It hit on every level, every fucking fear that you can have as a mother. It hits you. And it starts, it hits the ground running with that. It starts from the very fucking beginning. So you open with them planning this wedding for Shelby, right? Shelby. Shelby. <laughs> Shelby. So- Shelby, you need some juice. You need some juice. Drink the juice. Please drink the juice. So don't get me started on Hollywood Southern accents. It's bad. And some are worse than others. Some of the characters in this movie did okay. But Julia Roberts, bless her heart, she tried way too fucking hard to pull that accent off. And of course she got Dolly Parton. Don't bless her heart. Don't say anything nice about julia roberts no, no, bless nothing no you gotta bless her heart <sighs> she tried and fortunately she didn't make it all the way through the movie but but that's i mean it was horrible <laughs> i mean i do you see what this movie has done to my wife do you see <laughs> she is fucking tied up and tripping over her own shit because she is so upset about this movie i will say this sally field plays julia roberts mother and right from the get-go sally field is a bitch and Julia Roberts' eyes are the same size as her mouth. And her mouth is gigantic. (laughs) I want to know what the fuck happened to Sally Field that she went from playing Gidget to doing fucking Lifetime movies and this kind of shit. Well, I told you, she broke up with Burt Reynolds. Oh, that's right. You did tell me that. She went from Smokey and the Bandit, playing a girl named Frog or Toad, whatever. I don't know. Frog and Toad are friends. It doesn't matter. But... She went from that, and then she and Bert split up, and she was like, I don't know. I guess I'll just be bitchy mother from now on. Horrible. So horrible. She's... You know, her her southern accent was not that bad, and I'm kind of surprised by that. I don't even know where Sally Field's from. But... Well, I don't know, but she had just spent years with Bert Reynolds, who's from Florida, so... <laughs> Something's got to rub off besides her. Is Florida really the south, though? Do we count that? We count. We count part of it. I think we count part of Florida as the South, and then the rest of us, that's just a whole other nation. That's just, mm-hmm. that is. Might as well be Cuba. <laughs> right. Once you get past a certain point. Just... Nope. Little Cuba down there. That's what my mother would call it, that's for sure. So we got Dolly Parton. We got fucking Daryl Hannah, which I don't know what it is about Daryl Hannah. But everything before fucking Kill Bill, she just looked like, I don't know, she didn't really get cool (laughs) until she played that nurse in Kill Bill. Everything before that, she was just this just awkward, like, odd duckling. I don't even know. I'm, like, exhausted. I I watched that (laughs) movie. I watched almost all of that movie, and I got up. (laughs) <laughs> it got to be too much, and I was like, I gotta walk away. I'm gonna go piss. And 
I could not stop crying. It was horrible. And I was like, God damn it. Why do people, why do people put themselves through this shit? I do not understand. Like, and I'm not even, you know, why did this this make almost a hundred million dollars in 1989 money? I don't know. I can't even understand. I mean, I think they got some parts right, like that whole small town, southern, like, dynamic. I think they did pretty good with that whole 1980s wedding. That was right. The That was fucking spot on. I was a bridesmaid in the late 80s. It was terrifying, and that was, it was right there. Thankfully, my dress was not Pepto-Bismol pink, but it might as well have been. It was all, like, this floral pattern ruffles everywhere. It was really kind of scary. But, uh, um, daughter's sick. She's got diabetes. Mother's pissed about it. She wants to have a baby. She can't Overbearing mother, overbearing mother, codependent daughter. Daughter wants to get out on her own. She wants to get married, wants to have a baby. Mama's like, you can't have no baby because you got the diabetes. And she's like, I'm going to do it anyway, mama. Mama, mama. There's, there's, more, there's more horrible pronunciations of the word mama in this movie than there are in Carrie. Well, and you know what, though? That's such a real thing. And I think that's why it was just so fucking gut punch for me. It Everything that they hit on is so fucking real, even today in Southern communities. And it may not be as much so when, you know, I was coming to age. I don't know. But that whole, you got to have a baby, you got to, you know, carry on the family name, you got to have a big family. Big families are a thing in the South. And I understand, you know, Shelby got married and the next thing for her was having a baby. You know, her mama had three kids, four kids. How many fucking sons does she have? I don't know. 72, I don't know. Once you have more kids than you have hands, it don't matter. Well, you know. Once your pussy turns into a revolving door. Yeah, that too. That's about it. Okay, I'll agree that there are some aspects of Southern community that they do get correct. I don't like the way that they've dumbed down basically every character. So really, it does sound like everybody's just, they don't talk. They just quote chicken soup for the soul. The dialogue in this is just shit. It is. It's These still, people I think are, this, was, this was like the forerunner for Pinterest. <laughs> it feels like it. It feels like it. These people are not having an actual conversation. They're not. And that irritates me. They're just yakking at each other to see who can say the, the the cleverest, most heartwarming thing. And you know who does not need to be in this fucking movie? It's Shirley MacLaine. You can kiss my ass. <laughs> kiss my fucking ass. Because I know a lot of raunchy old southern women, and they are nothing like her. They would eat her alive and mm-hmm. spit her out. Mm-hmm. She and was she definitely... Just, Definitely an oddball out here. And Olympia Dukakis, isn't she from like fucking, I don't know, Massachusetts or some bullshit? I still don't know who the fuck Olympia, who, who was that? <laughs> who is Olympia, Olim- what kind of name is Olympia anyway? Well, that's Clary. Oh, okay. So she's the one who ends up running a radio station and doing the high school football. She ain't um, from around here. She's not from around here, but they want her so much to be from around here that they're just like, Southern women are brassy and crazy and they'll do anything. Look at her in the locker room of the high school football game. Kiss my ass. No. Yeah. You will not find a Southern woman near that much male ass after the age of 50. It's just, it's just not going to happen. What else did that woman do? I don't. I can't remember she seeing her. She was in Moonstruck. Oh, I kind of remember seeing that movie. I liked Moonstruck. I thought it was funny, but it was because it had Nicolas Cage in it. Was this that movie, this movie could have used Nicolas Cage? I'd have been fine. As well, Cher and uh, Paul Sorvino. Oh no, it was Danny Aiello. Sorry, I don't know. Paul Sorvino may have been in it too. Same dude. I love Paul Sorvino. Well, I do too. Okay, right. so moving on. Olympia Dukakis. Olympia Dukakis, right? I just don't think she. I still think she nailed it. I really don't. I think the only person who seemed vaguely Southern in this movie was Dolly Parton. And that's just because she's from around here. Well, start saying, yeah. I understand her when she talks, you know. <laughs> you understand her when she talks. Yeah, but she does the same thing. I, I, I mean, Dolly, as far as being an actress goes, is pretty one note. She's just, Dolly. She's just there for color, I think. That's it. But at least they had somebody... <laughs> fucking movie that was actually (laughs) from the south but all the women 
in this movie were nothing but just gossipy, horrible people. I, I feel like they were all horrible people to an extent. Mm-hmm. I, I think you get a lot of that, though. I mean, you, you get in these small towns and they, they're fucking bored. That's the only thing they got to do. They're too busy looking down their noses at their men who are drinking beer and whiskey. And oh, all God. they can do is sit around in the in the beauty parlors and gossip about shit. I mean, that's the way there it was. There was not an effective, effectual male character in this whole movie. No. I'm kind of bothered by that. Well, you should be. I mean, you had Drum... Who was crazy and was shooting fucking flare guns up into a tree to get the birds to go away, and he didn't do much after that. And then Spud, Truvy's husband, played by Sam Shepard of all people, he just kind of laid around in bed and drank beer. He's like, I don't want to go out. I don't want to do nothing. Go away. Have me that socket wrench. You know, it was just. Uh, is this accurate? Because I feel like it's a very narrow-minded squint-eyed vision of of southern society. Yeah, they took the they took the stereotypes and they just blew them way the fuck out of proportion and played on those for some kind of I don't know, comic relief, I guess. It's a bit ridiculous, but I mean, the stereotypes exist for a reason. So they're they're based on fact. It's just I don't I can't appreciate a story that's based just on those extremes because it doesn't tell the whole story. It doesn't tell the whole story. And also, I know that you do not like stories where the main thrust of it is, let's get to know this main character and then watch her die. Jesus, no. Not unless... Go ahead. I was just going to say, not unless you get to know this main character and then she dies because it's some fucking slasher that's running around in the woods with a <laughs> machete. I don't, I can't handle this real life shit, y'all. Give me ridiculous, over-the-top, gory shit. Like, this This movie was scarier to me than any fucking horror movie I have watched in my entire life. Seriously. That's what what made me sad, though, is, you know, Julia Roberts goes into a fucking... She, she has the baby. Her mom was like, don't have a baby. Well, I'm going to have a baby. Well, she has the baby. And then she goes into a fucking diabetic coma after a kidney transplant. But before all that happens, she gets the worst fucking haircut I've ever seen Julia Roberts have. Looks like somebody slapped an ocelot on her skull, and all of a sudden you're like, "Well, fuck, she gonna die with that haircut." It's Fidel that is the last. That is the last. <laughs> well, that's the worst fucking decision she's ever made. I'll tell you that. Oh, <laughs> die with that haircut. <laughs> so not only that, not only is Julia Roberts in a coma, but her mother is yelling at her while she's in a coma. Oh my you god! Cunt. You, that was it. You fucking bitch. That was it. That's where I lost it. That is where I said, nope, no more fucking done. This movie, no, fuck you. Not going to finish watching it. Is when Sally Field is sitting there by her adult daughter who is in a fucking coma and she's looking at pictures of her grandson and holding them up and talking to her daughter about her child and starts yelling, Wake up, Shelby. Wake up. Look at this picture. I was like, nope, nope. I'm out. Done. Walking away. Can't fucking deal with this shit anymore. You have got to be kidding me. This is torture porn for Baptists. It was. Is that what that is? Yes. Is that because you know what? If that's so, then fuck no. It is. That's what. That's how they get off. You know, we like horror movies. It's like, ah, oh, she's funny. She's cute. Ah, oh, damn it, they're in her head. And but this is just like, oh, I like these people. I can relate to these people. What's the worst possible fucking shit that we can put them through? I'm gonna watch it over and over again, and I'm gonna cry and get some kind of weird fucking cathartic release for that. That's not gonna damn my soul to hell. Give me a goddamn jigsaw and let me cut off my own foot but don't make me watch this shit again do not make me watch 
a mother sitting by her daughter's bedside who was in a coma and tried to get her to come out of that coma by showing her pictures of her baby. No. no fuck you people. See, and what's funny is, I mean, I, I knew that this was going to be a difficult movie for me to watch just because I'd already seen it and I knew I didn't like it and I've hated it for years. I did not expect it to have this effect on you. So angry. So traumatized and so fucking angry. I, I don't even have words. I don't even know how to properly express how horrible this movie... This is not... I, d I don't understand people who think horror movies are what's wrong with society and how people look at people who enjoy horror movies and are like, oh, those are bad people. That's scary. How can you watch that stuff? And yet they watch this shit and think, oh, this is a beautiful drama. No, it's not a beautiful drama. Are you fucking, this is horrible. How can you watch this and just be like, oh, this is such a good movie? No, it's not a good movie. That is that is like the bottom of human existence is that right there. You can't convince me otherwise. And that is what I meant when I said a lot of this movie is about how you create death cults. Because when you have a movie like this where you take, and you know what? I don't even think Shelby was that well fleshed out of a character. No, she I wasn't. I really don't. You didn't she have was, a chance. She was just standard daughter. Carbon copy of mama. Right. I'm independent. I want to do my own thing. Baby, baby, baby. Well, now you're dead, so you can't. But people watch this movie over and over and over again for that weird kind of emotional release that I don't understand. I don't understand the adrenaline rush that comes from sadness and open weeping in a theater. I don't understand people who are just like, oh, oh, that poor girl, that poor girl. I feel so bad for her. Let's watch it again. I sort of say, if you feel so fucking bad for her, why are you watching this? I don't, I don't understand it. Because they want to vicariously experience that feeling of having a loved one die. Ugh. Now that's fucked up. That is fucked up. I don't get it at all. No, I don't get it at all. I don't. So we couldn't even finish this movie. We couldn't. I mean, I I, I probably could have because, you know, I had steeled myself against steeled. <laughs> no pun intended. But, you know, I had steeled myself against it. So I was. No, you know, I was not. Whatever. But no, you, you, you I did was, not. I was not. You did not react to this well. So. This was, yeah, this was really your uh, hell movie. <laughs> you know, I spend not a great deal, but I do spend a certain degree of energy trying to avoid television shows and movies that I know, like just from watching the preview or hearing the description, if, if they sound like they're going to be this kind of hard hitting, like gut punch of an emotional traumatic experience, I'm no fuck you. No, not. Mm -mm. I will watch Carrie again for the 200,000th time put on pieces. Mm. Like, <laughs> let's, let's watch Tenebrae for the thousand millionth time. Let Give me somebody getting chopped up in this just artistic, beautiful, unrealistic sort of way. Because I don't, I don't, I don't like, like, real true crime serial killer type shit either. I want the amazing physical special effects that I know are just over the top and ridiculous ridiculous and unreal and i live for that shit i love it it makes me laugh it makes me cringe sometimes it scares me but it does not scar me on a soul level that this kind of shit does can't deal with it don't understand it i think that these people are horrible for putting this kind of shit out onto film 
and I want nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing to do with it. Has there been a chick flick that you've ever liked? I'd have to think about that. That's fair. I'm just I'm I'm just curious. You know, I've never really actually been into chick flicks, to be quite frank. When like before you and I got together, I had only seen just a small handful of the types of movies that you and I love to watch. And I knew that I loved that shit and everything else. It was just kind of, eh, I can kind of take or leave this shit. Like, I never really went to theaters, didn't really, you know, I like to watch cartoons. <laughs> Through the 90s, I watched X-Files, and I, li- I like to watch Batman, and there was that Gargoyles cartoon that I like to watch. But I, I read books. Um, and I never really read a lot of fiction. I just, I, I've, re- I've spent my life reading a lot of nonfiction, um, comparative religions and, you know, light reading like that. So, <laughs> um, I don't really know if there is a traditional, ch- I think the closest traditional kind of chick flicky air quotes movie that I actually like, um, is probably, Practical Magic, which really is a rom-com at its core. I'd say it's a zombie movie at its core. Well, there there are zombie elements, and there's, you know, witchcraft, and there's Stalker Channing and Diane Weiss, and that makes me happy. <laughs> okay, so they make you happy in a way that Shirley MacLaine and Sally Field do not and cannot. They make me happy in the way that Sally Field and Shirley MacLaine make me want to punch them in the face. So kind of the antithesis of that, yeah. Okay, well, um, you sound mad. Well, I'm not happy. Well, I should probably make you a drink. You know what we should do tomorrow? Keep drinking. Have a bloody merry first thing. I'll bite the king's head, couple of the little princess, stagger back in. I'm back at the bar for shots. How's that for a slice of fried gold? So what kind of drink could you possibly make for me that would help me forget Still Magnolias? Well, it takes place in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if it's a real place. Chinkapin Parish, it sounds like a real place, but fuck, what do I know? So does Turpin Station, so what do I know? But <laughs> seeing as how it's Louisiana, probably a hurricane. Oh! Is that too soon? Am I being a dick saying that? No, I love hurricanes. Are you kidding me? Hurricanes are good. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the drink hurricane, I mean, an actual hurricane is not good, well, but. No, but that's what I meant. I, I mean, wouldn't drink, serve that to you as a drink either, so. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, hurricane. That's perfect. I'll take right. 12. <laughs> that that would help. That would be that would be a hurricane of hurricanes, I think. That would be, that'd be, that'd be cat five. Well, shit, let's grab something to eat while we're at it. Maybe some Cajun food? Maybe some soup made with real magnolia blooms? Is that a thing? I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) I reckon the best thing to do is bring in Chef Al and let him rack his twisted brain to create dinner for two. Woohoo! This meal looks quite delightful, Betty. Oh, it's just something I threw together, that's all. Well, shall we dig in? Everyone's so hungry. Ow? Ow? I, I guess Al's not here. Huh. I guess things got busy at the restaurant. Yeah. Well, that's okay. I mean, we can cook something here. I cook all, I cook all the time. <laughs> I let you. Well... Let's head to the kitchen. I guess we need to come up with a Steel Magnolias-inspired recipe. <sighs> what in the world would that be? I don't know. Uh, an insulin parfait? <laughs> an individually wrapped peppermint? Juice. Juice. <laughs> Drink your juice. 
Oh, no. Well, the movie takes place in Louisiana, right? So I guess we'll just make a batch of gumbo. <laughs> Have you ever made gumbo? No. But I have had chewing gum, and I do know a guy named Bo, so... Yeah, that almost adds up to experience. Okay, get a big heavy stock pot, but not so heavy that you can't lift it. A stock pot, but not a cauldron, right? Well, if you have a cauldron, go ahead and use it. <laughs> but after you've stoked the fire up high enough, just throw a stick of butter in there. What, in the stock pot or in the cauldron? Yes. Okay. And when the butter melts, add three tablespoons of flour and stir it. Just keep stirring it. Never stop stirring it. Never? Well, not never, but stir it until the butter and flour combine and turn to this big, kind of goopy brown paste. It should be like mud. Just delicious mud. And this paste is called a rauxin. No, that it's called a roux, honey. Oh, come on. The word has an X in it. It's a roux. Fascinating. All right, so what's next? All right, add two cups of water or two cups of chicken stock. Or you could use beef broth. <laughs> Maybe some fish stock. I don't know. Any of that. All of it. Just, just put, like, two cups of liquid into it. Is this how you cook for me? Then stir the liquid into the rauks <laughs> until you have a kind of soupish gravy type emulsion. And then? Eh, whatever seems good. I guess some Louisiana stuff, right? So, I don't know, grab the crawfish out of the freezer. What? <laughs> we don't have any crawfish. What about crayfish? Wait, well, what's the difference? A letter. Okay, we don't have any crayfish either. What do we have? Well, hang on, let me check. Uh, let's see. We got, there's some breaded fish in here in the shape of Jessica Lane. Perfect. Toss that in there. What else? Uh, let's see, there's a burrito. Bean or beef? Bean. Nice. Put that on the pot, too. All right. All right, now we need some vegetables to make this gumbo hearty and wonderful. Let's put that onion in there. Okay, okay. do you need me to chop it? Nah, just add it to the mix. Uh, Seriously? Yeah, the onion skin will melt and help thicken the rauks. Huh. Now I need half a carrot, a celery stalk, some roasted red peppers, some slices of okra, a shrimp, seven chicken breasts, and a spoonful of peanut butter. Why peanut butter? Why not? <laughs> All right, now let's get some good old Louisiana hot sauce. Let's see, Louisiana hot sauce. Uh, nope, we don't have that. We don't have hot sauce? I thought we'd put that shit on everything. No, that's salt, honey. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I guess salt and pepper would be good. Uh, do we have any kind of sauce? Uh, I saw some Worcestershire sauce, there's some soy sauce, and picante sauce. Nice, all that. Put that all in the thing. <laughs> Are you stirring? Am I supposed to be stirring? Oh God, keep stirring. Stir like the wind. Now get me three smoked sausages. I'm stirring! I can't do everything. Fine. I will get the smoked sausage. Cut the sausages into thin slices. Now make sure that you take the seeds out, because that's where all the heat is. Now, second thought, leave the seeds in. We want to get some good heat in this gumbo. Now, where do we keep the umami? Umami is... What is that? Is that like sushi? No, no, no. It's just a thing that, that tastes good. But now it's like an actual taste, like bitter and sweet. Uh, sorry. Nope. Put it on the list. We'll pick up a bottle of umami next time we're at the grocery store. Alright. Now we just have a gallon of earthworms and bring it to a boil. Earthworms? Oh, shit. Rice. I meant rice. Sorry. Add a gallon of rice. Are you sure it's that much? A cup of earthworms. Rice. A cup of rice. <laughs> okay, is that it? Well, keep stirring it until it comes to a boil, and once it hits that boiling point, take it off the heat immediately and set it outside, uncovered, for three hours. That seems like a terrible idea. Yeah, you're right. Okay, pour the whole thing into a lasagna pan, cover it with foil, and bake it in a 350-degree oven for 90 minutes. Wow, that actually sounds like food, sort of. Uh, how are you going to serve it? In a bowl over rice. Uh, there's already rice in it. In a bowl over earthworms. No. And that's how you make an authentic Louisiana gumbo. It's so good, I guarantee.
Well, shit, since we're spending all month talking about love and movies without love, we're hoping to help our listeners out with their love lives, too. So we are answering your lonely hearts letters and offering advice to the love lorn. All you have to do is ask Aunt Goaty. You talking to me? What do you do? What's in the fucking box? Does he look like a bitch? What's the boogeyman? Did you see the memo about this? Is it true that there is a place in a man's head that if you shoot it, it will blow up? While we're opening our hearts and trying to remember where we left our compassion, let us remind you of all the ways in which you can contact Aunt Goaty with your questions. People, if y'all haven't joined the Kiss the Goat Facebook group, what are you waiting for? We are so close to hitting 300 members, it's like being edged. So scoot your boots over to Facebook, do a search for Kiss the Goat, answer three simple questions, and you'll be in the club, Rusty. You can leave your Ask Aunt Goaty questions, hang out with our acolytes, and get into weird discussions. I mean, what else are you going to do with your life? It's facebook.com slash groups slash kiss the goat, and you're on your way to getting your face booked all over the place. You can also leave us a voicemail if you're the kind of person who actually enjoys using the phone. Give us a dingle at 865-309-4969, which is the number for the GOAT line. We'll play your question on the show and answer it the same way. It's almost like a conversation. <laughs> but that's 865-309-4969 for the GOAT line. Mm-hmm. And you can point your browser towards the information superhighway and visit our website, which is kissthegoat.com. Not only will you find archived episodes, you'll also find recipes from Chef Al our merch store, Where the Goat, and a section where you can write your questions to us and we'll receive them in the form of an electronic email. Technology is amazing, y'all. What do they think of next? You can also send an email to thegoatofmadness at gmail.com and most of that same shit will happen. It's probably the easiest way to contact us. It's not the most fun way, but it works. <laughs> I mean, you can go around the world or you can get a quick handy behind the bleachers. You end up at the same place, so it's up to you. Mm-hmm. All aboard for fun time. Let's see who has our first question for Aunt Goaty. Why, it's Mike Merriman, host of the Evil Episodes podcast. Dear Aunt Goaty, how many dates in with a new love interest are enough to confidently reveal your full and undivided allegiance to our Dark Lord and Savior? Um, I think you got to go at least three on that one. Um, four. Four? Four? Yeah. Four's a good one? I, mean, I don't know. I mean, it depends on what your dating schedule is. I mean, you don't want to put out on the first date, probably. Right. Well, you got to kind of, you know, put out feelers and see how they respond. Right, and right. You, you, you might get to that shit in the first night. Who knows? It depends on how open they are. It depends. But I'm thinking fourth date just because, you know, first date is whatever. Second date, you know, you might make out a little bit. Third date, you're probably going to go ahead and have sex with them just because, Jesus, you've been out three times. At this point, You, might, you if you know, you know, right? <laughs> but if you can get them to have sex with you and then drop that bomb on them mm -hmm. and they hang out, then you're mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. If it's not just like, oh, really? Well, I got, I got to go some, <laughs> somewhere else. So, yeah, fuck them first and then drop that whole, you know, dark allegiance on them and see what happens. Yeah, that sounds good to me, too. Well, Rolf Pickler has a problem for Aunt Goaty. She says, he says, they say, Dear Auntie Goat, my wife and I have been active in our local satanic coven for about two years now. We think we've been doing a good job spreading evil and terror in the name of our dark lord, but one fellow cultist, Dorothy, air quotes, always has an issue with us. She always criticizes our personally selected sacrifice victims. She never pitches in when the rest of the group cleans up bodies and entrails. And she actually has the nerve to criticize my wife's cupcakes, which we always bring for the After Rides Coffee Social. Auntie Goat, we're at our wit's end. Is there a polite way to get her off our backs? 
do you really need to be polite at this point? Uh, sacrifice her shit. That's my first thought. Just be like, hey, if you really want to do us a favor, if you really want to do something good for the coven, lie down on this stone altar and close your eyes. <laughs> Count to ten. And then, you know, by the time you hit seven, it's all done, so. It's all said and done by that point, right. yeah. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. a little, little bit of ether goes a long way, too. You could just sneak up behind her and sniff her. <laughs> just count. put her out? Mm-hmm. That's, that's well, what I'm thinking. Surrender Dorothy. There you no go. No fuss, no muss. <laughs> well, there, well, there will be muss. Well. <laughs> I mean. That's what no the blood are for. There's no such thing as a clean blood <laughs> sacrifice. All you can do is control that damage. <laughs> but, you know, once you, once you start hitting arterial spray, that's going to, yeah, there's, there, there's going to be some cleanup involved. Well, that's why we paint it black, honey. That's right. All right, this is a great question from Martin D. Ford. Dear Aunt Gody, what is the best way to avoid shaking hands with people? That'll teach you to touch things. I think you got to go all Doc Holiday on it. You just, seriously, you just slip into your best southern accent and just look at their hand and say, pardon me if I don't shake hands. Have a tin cup in one hand. There you go. Yeah, have a tin cup in one hand, and just yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what I was thinking was going the Doc Holiday route. Make them feel as if their hand is some kind of diseased larva that not even a microbiologist would touch. Put it off on them. You don't have to feel bad because you don't want to shake hands. Their hands are nasty. You don't know where they've been. Be polite you, as possible. Yep. Because that makes it even worse. It does, yeah. But yeah, totally that. Just put it off on them. <laughs> Forgive me if I don't shake hands. <laughs> All right, so our final query is from Donna Nelly. Donny rings! The Don asks, Dear Aunt Gody, when's the best time to bring my girlfriend, Jane, into a satanic coven? She doesn't mind my joining in, seems interested in the fellow coven members sleeping with me, and has a few discussions about what goes on in these meetings, but it's always a case of feeling nervous about the baby sacrifices and bloodshed that would be in such situations. How do I help her cross the line into joining us here on the right side? I think the first thing that needs to happen is she needs to listen to a couple episodes of Kiss the Goat. Mm-hmm. Has she seen Rosemary's Baby? That would be helpful. Does she understand the kind of awesome, like, tea and crumpets parties that happen? And you know what, Don? I got to tell you, a little bit of fireball goes a long way. <laughs> you just liquor Jane up, get her, because that cinnamon whiskey, oh my God, it's like candy. It goes down so smooth. And before you know it, you've had a little too much, and she's just going to be raring to go. So that's my suggestion. I agree. I agree. She'll be uh, hailing your Prince of Darkness before you can count to three. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Well, friends, you've survived another one of the movies you watch in hell. I'm impressed. This was, this was a rough one. Even we couldn't get through this. <sighs> You're telling me. Like, seriously, guys. If you haven't seen it, don't fucking see it, because Steel Magnolias can go fuck itself with fire and choke on its own strap-on. You know, Cody, maybe someday we'll get to a movie you really hate. Uh-huh. Thanks to Bo at Legion Podcast for giving us a good home. He is the Fagin to our Oliver Twists. Hey, throw us a good review over at Apple Podcasts, or anywhere, really. Amazon. Bed Bath & Beyond, Adam and Eve, it doesn't matter. Just say nice things about us everywhere you go. Yep, and buy our merchandise at Wear the Goat before it's too late. They make great holiday gifts, although you get to decide which holiday they would make great gifts for. Right now we're thinking the Feast of St. Simon. You need a t-shirt for that, right? Of course you do, guys. Visit kissthegoat.com, click on Wear the Goat, and buy our shit. And thanks to you for listening, Bunky. We appreciate your support. And please... Light a candle for us as we continue our journey next week into the deepest part of cinematic hell. Until then, my name is X. And I'm Cootie. Liberate, Liberate Tutume, Tutume X, X, X Inferis. Inferis.
Jesus Christ, are we really ending the show in Latin now? Just as once. <sighs> so pretentious. Doctor or something. No. Don't talk about me like I'm not 